and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And both of us are healthy. Yes, we are. This week we're healthy. We did it. This sounds like my voice. It's, yes. Mm-hmm. So after several weeks of ill, mm-hmm. we are good. Both good. And hopefully that's it. We and do not have coronavirus. Coronavirus does not attack us. No. With its rude, rude, rude little green self. I don't know why it's green. It's green. I couldn't tell if it that's was. That's what color a germ is. Didn't you know? All right, guys. Am I going to ask you, how was your week? How was your week? My week actually was sick. <laughs> until <laughs> today. Right. Until <laughs> pretty much today. I had a lovely weekend. I took a trip, but I was still recovering. So every 10 steps or so, I had to sit down. It was embarrassing. But I am in perfect physical condition just now. Me too. And still, I need to sit down every 10 steps. So our physical conditions are not equal. All right, let's get into this gem of a movie. We are probably going to, this is probably going to be a short episode because there's not a lot of heft to this movie. This movie is, I don't know, it's like a like a little sad jewel. It's as perfect a representation of the experience of reading a short story as I can find. Yeah. It feels very much like a short story fleshed out so that we get a sense of these characters, but not a great deal happens. No. In this story. It's like vignette. It's a vignette. And these are characters that, in some sense, that we've met before. It's connected, it feels like, an aside from a much larger story. Yes. That something big, in other words, is going around in the background. And this is the... the it's Okay, I'm going to find it. You're looking at a river, right? Okay. And there's... Is this going to be like a Cohen? A part that diverges from it that sort of swirls around very pleasantly and then joins them. This is the part that swirls around pleasantly as a divergent stream from that river. It's not the main story. There's big things going on in the background. But, and the way that I think it uh, it comes across that way is because the big story is Ted Brodigan's story. Mm, Yes. But the story we are told is Bobby Garfield's story. Right. Which is why we have this sort of aside, aside aside-edness. Also, I will say... This movie feels like My Girl. Which I've never seen. Oh. Y'all, we're going to have to fix that at some point, probably. Which is very much like this nostalgia summer kids movie, Mm -hmm. right? And I was thinking, on on the drive home today, actually, I was like, what does this movie remind me of? And that's what it reminds me. Also, sad. You're going to cry in both of those movies. (laughs) So... um, Let's synopsis. All right. So let's do what is I haven't done an overview, like a like a single sentence overview in a while because we were doing a three parted right. thing. So what would you because I have an idea about storm one. two. Also. Okay. Because I would say this is a coming of age story that takes place against the background of a uh, an Eisenhower era persecution of telepathic people. Yeah. That's basically what yeah. it is. It's almost like it's like a coming of age story in a in a X Files episode, X Men universe. There's a guy with or, special yeah. powers being kidnapped by the government, and we only know that because there's a reference from a newspaper. Right. Yeah. Well, let's let's mm-hmm. let me do my one sentence. Sure. Absolutely. You were one. Thing. And this is not my one sentence. This is uh, an IMDb one sentence, mm-hmm. and I'm not. Thrilled with it, y'all. So here we are. All right, explain this to me like I'm a two-year-old, okay? Because there's an element to this thing. I just cannot get through my thick head. Widowed Liz Garfield and her son Bobby change when mysterious stranger Ted Brodigan enters their lives. That's a te- y'all. That's a terrible synopsis, and I'm sorry that I even made you listen to it. <laughs> and also, it's not entirely true. Right. So uh, the the we start. Ballpark now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in concurrent with the telling of the story. Yeah. So or so. Yeah. Maybe two thousand and one. Right. This movie did come out in two thousand and one. Oh, before we get into it, too, it was written by William Goldman, so you know it's right. going to be written well at yeah. the very least, right? I. The, it was directed by Scott Hicks. Do you know who this? I do not know. Um. Who? Who this? Who this is? He is an Australian director. He directed. A couple of a Nicholas Barks movie and Snow Falling on Cedars, sort of quiet. Mm-hmm. Well, um, he's very good at it. Oh, and Shine, 
the Jeffrey Rush oh, uh, movie about a that. pianist. So and that won an Academy Award. Uh, so he's a he's a it's a good director and it's a good writer. Mm-hmm. Um, based off of the short story, as we said last last time, "Low Men in Yellow Coats" from the book Low Hearts Men in Atlanta. In yellow coats, which I think is interesting because they almost remove the low men in yellow coats entirely from the narrative. There's a reference to low men in yellow coats in well, the story. He, he talks about it. I did, I, and again, I'm colorblind. Were they wearing yellow coats? N- no, I saw no yellow coats. Okay, all right. Yes. Okay, so we start um, with an adult Bobby Garfield. That's played by David Morse. Mm-hmm. Yay, David Morse and all the things. We love him. And I love this casting because he is, grown-up Anton Yelchin, uh-huh. and I buy it. <laughs> also, he's got facial hair for the first time, I think, ever that I've ever seen him. Yeah. Usually he is a clean-shaven man, and today he is a bearded man. A little scruffy. Yes. Uh, fitting an artist. He's yes. a, uh, so he, a photographer, right? Uh, he is a photographer, mm-hmm. and he has received word that his childhood friend Sully passed away. And so he goes back to where he grew up to visit his, or to, to attend his funeral. Mm-hmm. He he receives in the will uh, a baseball glove, which right. it comes up again in the movie, which is very sweet. So he goes back um, and finds out. So we hear that he and Sully, whose name was John Sullivan, mm-hmm. but he went by Sully, and a girl named Carol Gerber, were thick as thieves when they all lived together here. Uh, and he hears uh, early in the film that Carol has passed away. We don't know how or why. He wasn't aware of this. And he had not been aware yeah. of that. He was hoping that he would see her, mm-hmm. but that hope is dashed because she is deceased. Uh, and then we go, dooly, 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 dooly. As he goes to look at the house where he grew up, we go into the past. It's a quick frame narrative. It's not very long. It's like maybe five minutes in the beginning and two minutes at the mm-hmm. end. It's really a bit longer very a... brief. Well, he meets that girl, but right. it's one scene. Uh, and we are introduced to Robert Bobby Garfield uh, and his mom. Who? What's her name? Liz? Liz Garfield. Uh, and they are taking in a boarder, and that's Ted Brodigan. Mm-hmm. Brodigan, ma'am, even though he keeps, she keeps saying Bradigan. Uh, so in the summer when he was 11. And so we go back and we meet uh, Liz, played by Hope Davis, who's very good and a real bitch. <laughs> um and Bobby is played by Anton Yelchin, as we said, uh, who is so young. Like, I don't, I actually want to know, he looks even younger than 11. He was born in 1989, so he was right about 11. So mm-hmm. he is the, the okay. age that he is playing here. He's not a teenager playing an 11-year-old. No, okay. he's not. And he's, he's, but he's very clear, he's still got baby fat on yeah. him. You know, he got pretty thin as an adult, but he's still. Yeah, he wound up being kind of stringy and tall. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, he still got all of that baby fat on him in this, and uh, I love him so much, and I'm so sad that he's dead. And he and his mom are taking in a border because she, though she works mm-hmm. uh, as hard as she can as an assistant to what I think is a real estate agent, but it's might be insurance. It's unclear. Okay. Um, and but they need more money because his father has died. His father died uh, a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, his mom. His mom is a problematic character. I found her to be. Yes. So uh, the things about his mom is oh, one: she's extraordinarily judgmental. As their new boarder is unloading himself from the taxi, mm-hmm. she is talking shit about people who pack in bags. He calls. I think she calls them sluts. I can't. Remember. She uses yeah. a term that I'm like, wait. I don't even understand how this is uh, This is that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically speaking down about, like, she doesn't trust people who, who pack in paper bags. And 
Mr. Brodigan has two paper bags and a suitcase. It's Bobby's birthday. It's Bobby's 11th birthday. And Bobby, all Bobby wants is a bike, a beautiful phantom bicycle. And what Bobby gets is an adult library card. <laughs> this is, she's, and there'll be developments that show how difficult a character she is. Yes. What we understand at this point is that she claims that she doesn't have the money, but she's constantly wearing new clothes. Yes. She dresses up. She uh-huh. Yes, we see her buying a lot of new dresses that she says she needs for work and shoot. But yeah, it, it goes on that, and he starts getting, Bobby starts getting frustrated with, I never get anything. Mm-hmm. Anything that comes in, she gets. Right. Like, um, she gets whatever she wants and I don't get anything I want is basically what you get. Now... That is a whiny kid thing, but also we are seeing here, that to actually it, be it's true. Not, I don't feel it's so whiny in this case because he genuinely is being passed over all the time. So I, I find her a little bit difficult because as developments continue with this film, it's almost as if she gets punished for her vanity. Yes. In yes. a way that's kind of sad, and, and we'll discuss that when it comes up. Yeah. But it, in the beginning, she was... Just very judgmental, and that's a part of her character as we later on learn about her judgments about her husband. Yeah. But there's a, something that happens to her that feels almost as if, well, that's what you get that's for being get. so vain Although, and superficial. I don't think that that's actually no, no, no. the case. But it can be interpreted that way. Yeah. She works nights, mm-hmm. or like works long hours, so Bobby's largely left to his own. Yes. He spends all of his time with Sully and Carol, and then Ted... Um, sort of becomes like a father figure to mm-hmm. kind of all of them. and Because we never see the fathers of any of the rest of them either. No. Wait, no, no, we do. We do see Sully's father when he packs them away and um, they go on vacation. But I don't remember seeing... Um, Carol's parents? Yeah, I don't. I see her. You've seen her mom. Yeah, you see her mom. Yeah. But, I mean, I think this is also a time... This is the 60s um, that right, we're Right, so it's more common to. for the father not to be a huge part right. of the picture. No idea what your dad does. Mm-hmm. He's gone from, you know, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and that's the normal state of things. It becomes evident. Ted has these spells mm-hmm. where he sort of blanks out and goes right. away. Uh, he also does not want to be touched ever. And Ted enlists Bobby. He sort of sees that what that Bobby wants a bike and he wants to give him sort of a, a, a means to that. So he offers Bobby a dollar a week mm-hmm. to read the newspaper to him. Hey guys, do you remember this? This is the thing that you recall? So this is an apt, the apt pupil thing, which means I believe that Stephen King at some point went to an old man. I'm sure that he right? So that is a thing that had happened. It's come up too. Con- uh, well, there's another thing also that will come up that I wonder if any ever experienced it, but we'll discuss that mm. when, it, when it turns out. And then he also says, I need you to look out for the low, for low men. So uh-huh. I am on the run, basically, Ted says. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want me, and I don't want to be, you know, had by them. So mm-hmm. I am on the run, and uh, and they have very arcane methods of communication. They do. So these are men who uh, you'll you'll know them by their flashy cars, mm-hmm. and they all wear hats and yellow coats. But we never, like I said, we never see the yellow coats. That would be that's something that works better as a line to read and not as a visual yeah. necessarily. And the way that you know that they're in the area is they put up pet wanted signs or pet missing signs mm-hmm. that don't really seem like pets that are missing. Um, and we'll get to one because there's one that comes up later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, you know, keep an eye out for these signs and read to me. And I'll give you a dollar. Now, Bobby's over the moon because, A, male figure in his life, mm-hmm. he is starving for that, right? B, dollars, because he wants that bike real bad. And C, I think he wants to assert himself a little bit. He acquiesces to everything that his mom says, but also feels like, you know, I got the adult library card not because she's, she thinks of me like an adult or that I'm more mature than other kids my age, but because it's free. Like, right. that is why she got it. And 
Ted's like, well, you know, you can read anything you want, so you can, you're free. And he's like, also, in, you know, initiating him into the wonders of reading. Yeah, which is a, is a good thing always. Yeah. Uh, there, another point is that Ted is his because at eleven years old he wants an entry into the adult world, and his mom thinks the library card is going to do it. Yeah. But. Ted has had similar experiences to his father. As a matter of fact, they shared going to a, a sporting event, which is really beautifully narrated yes. yeah. uh, by Anthony Hopkins. And this is one of the points where you see how good an actor he is. He tells the story about an aging athlete who returns to the field of play and uh, does so with distinction. Yes. And I won't spoil it because it's a beautiful moment in the film. It is fantastic. It's, it's probably the best scene in the film. It's two actors, one very good actor giving and the other very good actor receiving. Right. And people Yeah, and watching Anton Yelchin Mm -hmm. listen to this story is so amazing. You're just like, that is a child Mm -hmm. who is acting, who is the most natural I've ever seen anybody on Right, well, he's reacting because there's a moment when uh, Mr. Bodigan is telling him this story and he goes, my dad was there. And suddenly there's a connection, and we keep yeah. picking up the, the thread of his father yeah. uh, through this story. Right. Who, Hope Davis, or, you know, his mom is constantly... Berating. Yes, berating. He never met an inside straight he didn't like. Yeah. And an inside straight... And Mr. he left Brodigan, us destitute. Right. Like, I had all these debts to pay back, and right. this, that, and the other. As Mr. Brodigan describes it, that's sort of a sucker's deal, you know? Yeah, which you, Sully does. Sully right. knows. Sully is the one who tells them what an oh, inside okay. straight is, which I was like, why do you know it? Well, You're 11. Why do you know it? Yeah, remember what, this is similar in some ways to Stand By Me yes. as a coming-of-age story. Yeah. And we remember the play, uh, the treehouse scene there. They're playing cards, they're smoking cigarettes, they're yes. at the same time drinking soda pop and yes. don't know what to uh, do with girls yet. Don't know what to do with girls. They're... So, um, Carol clearly is uh-huh. uh, sweet on Bobby. Bobby's right. a little bit sweet on Carol, but also he's still in his girls are ill. Oh, yeah, girls are um, But Ted says, you're going to kiss her, and it's going to be the kiss by which all other kisses are judged. And indeed, there's a I scene on Ferris her. wheel right. where he kisses her, and she wasn't ready. And she's like, what was that? And he goes, I thought you wanted me to, which is like such an adorable right. 11-year-old thing. Like, that's... This is we don't need to bring me too into this. And she right. goes, I just wasn't ready. Try again. And then they they kiss again, and it's a very chaste, he, perfectly acceptable for Brodigan brought again like scripture <laughs> in does. the story because he even tells her he said <laughs> we're gonna this right. is gonna be the kiss on which all of our other kisses, kisses are be made, uh, will be measured. Yes, and apparently it was for her too, as we find out yes. later on in the story. Yes, and there's you know scenes of them all together uh, on the water swimming. Mm-hmm. Sully is almost like a generic third. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not... He's not as invested because he has a family and he has a life outside of this. Maybe I that's think. what it is. And then there's also a bully. Well, a set of bullies. Because what Stephen King's story is complete without terror, terrorism by a 13-year-old. Right. Well, um, this is part of the fraternity of greasers, I yes. think. Uh, Although he's not... Yeah. He, he's on his way. But I think that this is another character we talked about the reading the newspaper might have been a part of his actual life. I really wonder if the closeted homosexual thug was a part of Stephen King's growing up. Because yeah. we just saw it. We just saw it in Storm of the Century. Yeah, that's true. And then we saw it again. And I, I'm thinking this character keeps with, and, and in the book rather than in the film, it, that character's also dealing, yeah. fighting with his sexuality. Yeah. Uh, so I begin to wonder if there was at some point a guy that later on either came out or yeah. later on the story came or out. apologized and said, mm-hmm. you know, I was a self-hating, you know, right. I was self-hating, whatever. Or maybe it was just something that everyone knew mm-hmm. that he was angry about. But something, there was a story at some point, I think, that to King really got into his head. Yeah. Either something that he read or something that he experienced because that guy keeps showing up. Yeah. Yeah, so he comes and uh, he he sort of attacks them at various points. I'll, I'll get to the worst one mm-hmm. um, in a bit. But So there are all these little vignettes through this summer, and uh, it sort of culminates here with um, uh, 
Liz is invited by her boss to go to a conference for the weekend mm-hmm. and asks Mr. Brodigan, even though she does not like this, she sort of nakedly accuses him of being a sick old man with, with a weird penchant for kids mm-hmm. all of the time. Like, right. she's constantly making she's... this accusation, and then mm-hmm. she asks him to babysit for right. a weekend, which is wild. Like, right. do you think this man is a pederast? Because if you do, why are you, why are you leaving? leaving? Yeah him and if you don't how about you get the judgment off your face every five seconds like Mm -hmm. she's yeah she's a piece of work and he's like oh no i'm not a good babysitter and she goes come on please and he goes if bobby wants me to do it i will do it and bobby does but doesn't because he doesn't want his mom going away yeah but this is also a weekend with ted and that's He's 11 years old, so this is the age where he also still wants his mom. Yeah. And he does very deeply love his mom, but they have a um, almost inappropriate relationship in a way because yeah. she she uh, represents adult mystery in a way that he doesn't quite understand. Yeah. I mean, there's a scene where she's getting dressed, and he's kind of startled because not that he's looking at his, checking out his mom. He's no. looking at her because she's... Again, a she's wearing clothes that she's she so claims fancy. That she has no she's money for. way fancier, right? Than she and that she to is be. really, uh, at the risk of sounding classist, she's above. She's able. She's living. She's dressing above, above, her above means. the means that they're living in. And she's, so, it's, yeah, he's having to confront some realities about his mom. Okay, so uh, when he sees her dressing, or rather, changing into cl- costume after costume. Uh, yeah, it is. A, it's like a montage in a right. rom-com. It, it, yeah, it's. Uh, she's completely unaware of his fomenting anger yeah. and the reasons why he has it. Yeah. Because what he's seeing is, I can't get a bike, but how many dresses have you just bought? Right. And also looking at her as, is this my adult figure? This is a person who's vain. Right. Uh, who's very self-absorbed to the point where her only response to him is, well, come zip me up. How do you think I dress? Right. And what compliment he can sputter out as an 11-year-old, she's upset with. Yeah. So she's expecting him to be like his father, showering her with compliments. The impression that you get from the absence of the father in this film is that she was pretty in vain and he was um, probably smitten with her. Probably. But she was, and she had. She thought she was going to be lifted out of her circumstances, right. and that is not no. the trajectory that this man was on, no. and was probably pretty f- upfront about that. Right, which we we find out because there's uh, yeah. Shortly, we're, right, we're, we'll sure, get there. Ahead. So, so he Bobby says yes. Um, go ahead and go, and um, she gets picked up by her boss. She for who for a second she think he thinks is low men because it's a bunch of men in this fancy car right. with hats on because well they're low men of a completely different yes, low nature. There are three three men in this car and uh-huh. her uh, and you know the boss like is putting her bags in the back and it's like women can't live them can't live with them can't, can't live without them can't kill them or something like that and and just looks at Bobby and I'm like what do you expect this 11 year old to say to you when you say that about his mom well again it's the fraternal order of in this case misogyny Yuck. this is very much a part of the time yeah so um she goes away and that night bobby and ted go to see a movie mm-hmm. and after the movie they go uh, ted wants to place a bet right children and of the damned by the way which is yes very... that's what they go see which Children I think when you fit it into the the construct that Ted is telepathic and control people with his mind. Yeah, it's a little bit, it's yeah. It's on the nose. Oh, yeah. No, we forgot that thing. Okay, so mm-hmm. at one point, Bobby touched Ted right. early on in their relationship. And at that point, Ted's like, I'm not good with touching, so don't. Like, mm-hmm. don't. And then they all go to a, the, the fair. And this is where he has his kiss on the Ferris wheel with Carol, and it's very cute. But mm. there's another scene in there with Alan Tudyk, uh, who has third billing on this film, even though he's only, you know, in a small... No, I guess not third building, but he's, he's a main name in the movie. And he's a uh, card chart. He's, he's Monty. He's, he's doing yeah. three-card Monty. And... Uh, you know, Sully tries and can't do it, does it, but then doesn't do it, of course, because that, that's how they get you. 
and some other people get it, and then all of a sudden Bobby starts calling it. He, he, yeah. he calls it, and then he doubles or nothing. And it's a very interesting scene. It's and the way then it's he's like, this the 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 card guy is like, mm-hmm. this is five years of my life. Like this, nobody's ever beaten this shuffle, and he does it, and. Bobby's not looking at his hands. Bobby's looking yes. at his head, at his face, and he's like, "It's that one." And the look on Alan Tudyk's face, like, "The fuck just happened to me?" Right. And he goes, "It was just a lucky get." Like he he knows that he has gone, maybe a little too far, mm-hmm. but so he's picked up a little of this shining, or whatever it is, from Ted. At that point, we know, uh, and then. Yeah, so we go back, and Ted wants to place a bet. So they go to a bar, and he has to wait right inside the the entrance to the bar. And I'm like, ooh, that's familiar. <laughs> that right. is a place that I lived oh, when I was his, his age, too. Probably younger than that. I think 11. I was too old to go to bars. but uh, And the bartender says, hey, do I know you? <laughs> Which is a wild thing for, like, do you come here often? I'm 11, ma'am. Do I? <laughs> what do you think? And she goes, he goes, maybe my dad. And she goes, or she goes, Bobby Garfield. And he goes, that, yes, but that's also my dad's name. And then this woman has a picture of his dad. So his dad, like, went to this establishment. And she says, you know, she says he never bought a drink, a, a drunk a drink. Uh-huh. And he was always very kind. And he was not a bad gambler. Like, he usually walked out with a little more than he walked in with. Mm-hmm. So all of these things... This flies in the face of what his mother's been telling him. Exactly. He sees Ted, Ted's upstairs and he makes a bet and he comes out and then they head back in the taxi and and uh, he's been given the photo of his father from the bartender, which was very sweet. And, you know, he says, she said he never bought a drunk a drink. What does that mean? And Ted says, uh, he didn't leave the world a worse place than he found it, which I think is a nice sentiment, right? Yeah. And so this is a totally, yeah, like you said, totally different view of what we've gotten from about his dad through the tarnished lens of mom. And as they're driving, Ted grabs Bobby mm-hmm. and ducks them down and says, don't, th- you know, think about something else. Think about Carol. And it turns out the low men are there, which... Bobby had seen signs of, but didn't want to tell Ted because, A, he kind of thought Ted was making it up. B, he doesn't want Ted to go. No, he doesn't. And so there's this interaction where they're in an alley and they have to, like, scoot by each other in the car and they're dunked down in the back of this cab and Ted is like, don't think about, you know, don't just don't think about me, think about Carol, think about, Mm -hmm. you know, that bike, think about literally anything else, don't think about me. Um, And then uh, they break free and he says you know i put i think i bet twenty dollars on uh it's an old guy coming out of retirement and Mm -hmm. the and the the hottest boxer of the day and he put 20 on the old guy to for knockout which is like a hundred to one bet Mm -hmm. i think is what it was um and Bobby's like, that's traveling money, isn't it? Like, if you if you win, this is how, you this get, is how this you're, you're going to go. Right. And, and Ted's like, yeah, I've, it's not safe for me mm-hmm. to stay if they're here, and I got to go. And um, then Bobby runs out. Uh, he goes, he wants to visit Carol. He goes down to Carol's house, and Carol's mm-hmm. not there. She's out reading at the... Uh, at the stream that they play at. Now, this is the next day. Yeah, this is the next day. And so he goes down, and he finds her having just been attacked Mm -hmm. by that bully, uh, Harry Doolin, who calls her Gerber baby and grabs her chest earlier. No, that had happened earlier. Right, he had to actually... Let me see how your breasts are coming in. That's literally what he... And he grabs her chest. This is an um, 11-year-old girl. And they're interrupted by Mr. Brodigan, who outs him in a whisper, you know, yeah. you like wearing your mom's clothes, don't you? You're afraid that people are going to find this out. And yeah. so um, the bully takes off with his friends. He has yeah. two friends behind him because bullies never act alone. No. Well, he does this time because yeah. he does find Carol by herself right. and he beats her with... A baseball bat. Baseball bat or a lacrosse stick. Like it's some sort of right. after school... I think it's a baseball bat. It's much shorter. So, okay. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, he beats her. He he. When Bobby finds her, he thinks mm-hmm. her arm is broken, right. and she can barely stand. And he basically hoists her up on his back and crawls out right. to the story of. We're cross cutting with. We're cross cutting with the story that Ted had told about the sporting event that right. his dad had been at. Um, well, something else g- has just happened to his mother, too. Yes, yes. Also, the, the, the night before, um, he got a call to say goodnight. Right. Um, and at the end of that call, she is uh, surprised, it looks like, by her boss who has been drinking mm-hmm. and then attacks her. And so she is on her business trip raped. Right. And she is coming home in the train. She now she was driven out, but mm-hmm. she's come home on the train. So and it was a brutal rape. She has a black eye. She yes, has bruises her, on her face. face. Her yes. she put Not up. Not that there's anything other than a brutal but, rape. Right. But I mean, there are physical uh, signs of yes. her being assaulted. Yes, her face is cut up, and so she's coming back early. That they and they don't know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bobby's able to get Carol to the house, mm-hmm. and Ted has her lay out on the like the kitchen table, I think. And they take her shirt off, so she's just wearing, like, a little tank top. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not nude. He says, I don't think your arm is broken. I think I can fix it. Right. It's, her shoulder's been dislocated. Right. So he By is... By the way, that hurts. Yes. <laughs> and really so does. he is... Has, like, basically just relocated. I don't mm-hmm. know how you'd say that. Adjusted. Her, uh, yeah, adjusted her shoulder back into place when Bobby's mom comes in and mm-hmm. sees this old man over this girl who is crying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she screamed out in pain and now she's crying and mm-hmm. she's hysterical. And he, she loses, uh, fucking Liz loses her mind. Right. She flies at Ted. She starts hitting him. Uh, Bobby and Carol are both like, no, it's like it's mm-hmm. not what you think it is. She asks Carol why her shirt's off, and she says, you know, he was fixing my shoulder. And Ted is like, what happened to you was terrible. It's not what happened to her. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all yeah. he says. And that sort of pushes her back a little bit, and he's a little more assertive with her, and he's like, you didn't know that this business trip was going to involve booze and sex? Which I don't love that phrasing. Right. I'm like, that's not what it involved. <laughs> it involved right. booze and rape. I There's think, a difference. I think what what he meant probably, and what the phrase means, is that she didn't know that's what their intentions their was. intentions were. That's fine. Which is, uh, and but if it wasn't again, going to turn up, they're going to force it, or this yeah, guy was going to. I force guess it. maybe that's it. And what happened to you is terrible, and mm-hmm. you should call the police about that. Right. But you do not need to be calling the police about this. Now, at the same time, when Bobby was going towards Carol, he was pulling down these Flyers, pet right. wanted signs mm-hmm. or pet missing signs. And they all say brought again, old, gray hair, mm-hmm. um, you know, tired. Like, it's it's real low. And uh, if you if you have any information, call this number. Right. He and Liz basically come to an agreement that he will be packing his things and leaving. And that is right. fine. Bobby overhears Liz on the phone calling about the reward for Ted. So she says he's going to be at this bar uh-huh. because, oh, we heard the fight. Uh-huh. And in the fight... The boxing match. The, the boxing match uh-huh. that he had put the money on, of course, went the way that he thought it was going to go because he all he's psychic. I don't know if you are aware of this by now, but he is a psychic man. But he can't go pick up the money because now that's where they said... Mm-hmm. He would be. So Bobby says, well, go to the diner and I'll go pick up the winnings. I'll, f- I'll figure out a way to get the winnings to you uh-huh. so that you can escape. And he does, He goes out and he gets the money. He's able to sneak the, the, the money. It's two grand mm-hmm. that he's looking for. But at the same time, Ted is captured by the low men. And he yells to Bobby as he's being driven away in the back of the car that he wouldn't have missed a moment, not for all the world. Then Bobby goes back to the house and he's like, "You're a traitorous bitch," and she's and he's like, "Well, I'm out of a job." And like she's really like mm-hmm. she she knows she can't go to work, right? right? Like she's done at that job because why wouldn't you be? You've been raped by your boss. Guess one of them is out of out of work, and it certainly wouldn't be him. And he's like, "Well, now you don't have to worry about it." And he throws the money at her, mm-hmm. 
because now there's just two grand that we have and the summer sort of closes out like that's basically mm-hmm. the end of the thing so the the bully harry doolin goes to attack bobby and bobby fucking does not nope does not have it and beats right. the shit out of him with his own baseball bat uh and liz finds a job in boston so they move away before bobby goes they say their goodbyes and they share a final kiss and then, then we come back and it's you know old Bobby standing mm-hmm. outside of the house and it's all ramshackle. There's nobody there anymore. And a, a girl comes by and she's like, you shouldn't be there. It's not safe. And it's a, a brunette Carol. Right? Mm-hmm. It's the same actress that played Carol. Who I think to the credit, she looked very different to me at she first. She did. It was amazing. She looked older. She did look, she, she did. She looked about four years older. Uh-huh. So I'm wondering if it was her or if it was, like her no, older her. sister. It was her. Okay. It was her, apparently. Because I, I researched that because it was startling how much uh, makeup and hairstyle and styling changed her. Because Carol is very much kind of angelic. She is. She's very blonde. She dresses young. Molly is a little goth almost. Mm, yeah, like a grunge. Right. Like a grunge kid. So the, She's the, wearing, I believe, a flannel. Right. Like, yes. So it was a good job. Yeah, so he he recognized. He's mm. like, do you do you know was your mom Carol? And she's like, yeah, she died. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I heard. I'm so sorry. And then she give he gives her a picture of Carol from when they were kids. And then that is that is the end of the story. So how did you feel about it? It's really interesting because it's ostensibly this is the like we're to understand that Ted was part of the was it FBI. Uh, we're, I'm not sure that that's what I got from it. I know that they were looking for him. They were doing remote viewing and things like that that's at the time. That's the thing. I'm wondering, like, I don't know the men who a, stare at goats, right? Yeah. Like, that's the That the would idea. be a little bit before then, historically, I think. But yes, that's the idea. Well, he could have started it mm-hmm. then. Yeah. Right, because he's in his 60s or whatever in the 60s. Yeah. So, um, and he seems to have have this gift naturally mm-hmm. and they want to use it they want to exploit it they for, want to exploit it and they does seem to be the government but it's it is not dealt with it's yes. just not dealt it's, with it's this is we're seeing they're a, a, bi- they're a big bad scary right. organization that can just take you away yes and that's that's what an 11 year old knows and so that is what we know right we're, we're really are restricted to his abilities to understand as a narrator yeah um and his inability to even process it as an adult, what was mm, happening. What was happening. There's a lot of gaps in the story. We don't know what happened really with Carol. Uh, excuse me, with, uh, yeah, with Carol, about her death and all. Oh, Not yeah, no, we don't. Details. She died a couple, a few years before. We don't know what happened to Sully. All we know is that at one point he... Uh, yeah. Th- Sully is ambiguous in terms of whether he's a good guy or just kind of a jerk. Well, I think he's a good guy. Because I he do does something where guy. he knows how broke Bobby yeah. is all the time, and he says, well, I'll give you my baseball bit. Oh, you know, I'll leave it in my I'll will. I'll leave it for you in my will. And, and then, of course, he does right. do that, yes, and that's so, what brings him and back. And it's kind of sad that, um, although, I mean, there might be circumstances around it that uh, Carol never leaves that town. Her daughter yes. lives just down the street, so right. I'm not sure what her story was. Uh, but we yeah, and that. Molly at least mm. is not thrilled that she's always been in this town. Right. She would love to not be in this town. That Bobby's successful. The problematic part for me, of course, is is uh, Liz. You know, um, because she's just not likable in any way. No, and there's an attempt at the end to show some sort of change in character, but again, that has a sort of weird reflection on. What happened to her? Like, well, that taught her. Yeah, right. Which is uh, which was gross. not the intention of what <laughs> yeah. the story was, but what it winds up looking like. Yeah. Because we don't get much sympathetic time with her. No. She's just sort of vain and self-absorbed, and Bobby's a nuisance to her, really. And it's almost there's another thing that I watched, and I cannot put my finger on mm-hmm. what it is. So if y'all know what this is, let me know. Um, wherein the mom, who I want to say was played by an Ashley Judd type, mm-hmm. like I'm seeing red hair, but I don't know if that's right, right. Uh, said in a similar time period where mom would get buy dresses and get dressed up mm-hmm. uh, beyond what they could really afford 
goes on these conferences with the boss, but th- the plan is to be married by one of these wealthier yeah. men and lifted out of the circumstances. But the kids are, once again, watching their mom get, you know, ostensibly, mm-hmm. she gets what she wants and I never get what I want. Mm-hmm. That It's that same kind of dynamic. Yeah. And I legitimately cannot place this is the what thing. it was from. But right. And I don't believe that there was a rape thing. Uh-huh. I think the idea was, I am going to use... What These I are can. my assets, and this is mm. actually consistent with the time I um, recently watched Little Women, the new version. Yes. And the Amy character uh, that's played by... Is that the Florence Pugh? Yes. Yeah. She gets to have a scene where she defends her choice to marry for money by saying, this is the time that we live in, and this is all yep. that I have. Yep. I, I want to be comfortable, I, and so this is... I want to be comfortable. I, I don't... There's no reason why I shouldn't be. My sister married for love. She's living in poverty. My other sister is assuming that she's going to be an author and she's paid pennies for what she does and she has yet to have success. Yeah. And presumably so, she doesn't love anyone. Right. Right. Like she, yeah. she, she's not eschewing one relationship for another. This is the relationship that has been offered to her. Yeah. And it will lead her to a better so, life. And, and she winds up in the end marrying somebody. Well, I won't spoil that for you. In don't case spoil you it. I actually have never read it or 130 seen it. A 130-year-old spoiler. Is. Yeah, no, please don't. Because I do want to see it. <laughs> do you know what happens to Jean Valjean? You know, I, yes. <laughs> and then the whale, you know, once it catches Captain Ahab. But um, speaking of old stories... It catches Captain Ahab. <laughs> he really spoiled so, um, yeah. This is a really old story. And this is something that I remember from Sunday school, and I'm sure that Stephen King is a good Methodist growing up, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story of Elijah and the widow at Zarephah, which I can't pronounce. Well. There's a biblical story about Elijah the prophet who finds a widow living with her son uh-huh. and just becomes their border. Uh, uh, he lives in their house, and the entire time that he's there, he does these sort of uh, semi-miraculous and sometimes very miraculous things. Uh, and it's just, it's part of the Bible story. But it, it was interesting enough, the idea that you have a mysterious border who yeah. has the ability to read minds or cure, bring back the dead or something, and then you find out he's a famous prophet. That story has been retold in both um, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Yeah where there's a widow and her son, and they get visited by this strange man who has miraculous powers. So I, I find that that story is literally thousands of years old. Yeah. This is, it's, a, it's an interesting take on that. Um, yeah. As is Mr. Brodigan's powers, the Jesus' injunction to people not to touch him while he was alive. Yeah. Because part of his virtue passes out, and then, you know... And it turns out, it's unclear whether... Bobby gets some stuff from Ted, or if Bobby just well, has this latent... He says later on that he never had the experience again, the adult Bobby does, that he never had the ability to see as people's... As clearly right. as he did that so day So it might be that he's intuitive to some level, but... And he, he becomes uh, a photographer, which I think... And a, a photographer of some note, like he's mm, got books. Right. Like he's clearly a successful person in this field, and I think you have to be able to see... More right. There's the argument in, can be in, made in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's some. I mean, there the line readings in this, especially from Hopkins. Um, when he's talking about the low men, he says one feels them first at the back of one's eyes. Yeah, and the way that he says it, like that, could be a cheesy ass line. And right. he says it in this, and he's almost in a fugue state when he says mm-hmm. it. So he says it a couple of times and it's mm. like genuinely creepy but also like yeah I got that like when you're yeah. creeped out by somebody There's like one it, of the best examples to me always was strangely enough in Galaxy Quest mm. uh, Alan Rickman's character has to during the course of the film keep repi- repeating, repeating the line by yeah. grab Thor's hammer you shall be avenged and then there's one point where he actually puts so much emotion into it you're like Shit. Yeah. Because that man can read a line. <laughs> that man can so read a line. So that's good acting. I feel that the yeah. same thing happens here. Yeah. You're taking something that otherwise would sound ridiculous, and then he puts so much genuine feeling into it, and I wish I could get inside of his process. And even the scene, like, narrating the, the sporting event, 
uh, with Anton Yelchin. We were yeah. talking about that. It reminded me of um, Michael Caine used to give a master's course in acting. And he got questions, he fielded questions from the audience. And somebody asked him how to be a good listener in a scene. Because they, they're like, well, what do I do? Somebody has a long speech and I have to sit there and just sort of... And listen. And I what, don't know, maybe listen. What Michael Caine said was that it's really important to be engaged because if you're not, the audience won't be. And yeah. then said something really interesting. If it helps, think about all the things you want to say that you don't. Yeah. And he goes, that makes you active. Mm-hmm. The, the process of listening to the person that's going to make you really receptive to it. And when I'm looking at Anthony Elchin in this scene, the, the late lamented Anthony Elchin, who's on his way to Anton, becoming an, yeah. Anton, a really great actor. He, yes. He does actually push the reality of what Hopkins is doing by being so engaged. Yes. Um, yes. Even and, at 11. Yeah. The, the, yes, the Bronco Nagurski story is the one. And it's told with such real feeling. Yes. You know. No, it's, it's so, so, so good. So let me actually mm-hmm. read a little bit of uh, Roger Ebert did mm-hmm. the review okay. at the time. And he, it's, he gave it three and a half stars out mm-hmm. of four. And he says, a movie like this is kind of a conjuring act. Like a lot of Stephen King's recent work, it's not a horror story so much as an everyday story with horror lurking in the margins. Mm-hmm. It's not a genre movie, in other words, but the story of characters we believe in and care about. Anton Yelchin is not just a cute kid, but a smart and wary one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Micah Borum is not just a girl down the street, but kind of a soul who inspires the best in others. And Anthony Hopkins finds... Just a tired, truthful note for Ted Brodigan, who knows the worst about men and fears for his future, but still has enough faith to believe it will do a kid good to read the right books. Right. It's, and, uh, and he says, should you read the book after seeing the movie? I would recommend the audiobook. William Hurt's reading oh. is one of the best audio performances I have ever heard. No, I'm going to have to find that. Yeah. So that is, yeah. that is high praise, I yes. think. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that. That's what I have to say. And what? And do you? How are you? I. Uh, I <laughs> you should, you Where is this hard? I. I think I just got tired. I don't know. What just, <laughs> just suddenly. Um, so, do you have anything you'd like to recommend this week? Oh, do I have any? Well, let me start with mm-hmm. uh, what we're going to watch for next week. Okay, let's do that. So next week we are embar- embarking on another three-part miniseries mm-hmm. and we're going to do it in three episodes i okay. think do you think do you think we should do i it think all so once? because as i remember this and it was another one that was incomplete for me uh there were a lot of characters yeah that might be in right this story yeah now it's going to be interesting because okay we... well let's start by saying what it is right. we're going to watch rose red yes which is a miniseries from 2002 so we're already out of 2001 right Bye, 2001. Nice to see you. Uh, and we're right into, which doesn't really surprise me now that I'm thinking about it, the second, the end of 2001, I think a lot of stuff got pulled, maybe mm-hmm. didn't get released when yeah. it might have been. Uh, so we're going to watch Rose Red. This movie is not available. Y'all, it's not available. Right. So we are going to watch it on Daily Motion. Shh, it's a secret. Yes. And we're going to have to watch it separately because yeah. we can't make it go to our TV. I don't know how to do that. So... We usually watch everything together, yeah. so we're going to have to watch this separately. So that's going to be... And it will be an interesting experience interesting. because we'll converge and discuss it for yes. the first time together. Yeah. I just... Daily Motion is actually a really good service. There's a lot of old giallo, and uh, uh, I was watching a Hammer film on there last night, one of their non-horror films from oh, the Oh, interesting, 50s. yeah. And I'm like, wow, this film you can't find on TCM. You can't find, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I was like, I don't mind buying a DVD. Uh-huh. A DVD that'll play in the United States is $71, and wow. I mind that. Yes. <laughs> that is... Y'all, I don't know if you know this, but we don't make any money Maybe, on this podcast, right. so I don't... That's outside of our operating budget. I'll spend $3 on a movie. I cannot spend $70. Well, we spent more than that on Nightflyer, the Nightflyer, um, and that turned out to be a movie I'll watch again. Yeah. I really appreciated that. I mean, there are parts of it that were just goofy as hell. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll spend yeah. a movie amount, but yeah. I can't spend... Three times a movie amount. Four or five four, times, right. really, a movie amount, so... Uh, we were able to find it on Daily Motion, and it's in chunks of an hour, so we're going to have to watch pieces yeah, it of it requires some creative time. watching. 
So that's what we're going to watch. I'm looking forward to it because I remember actually really mm-hmm. getting creeped out and enjoying it. Uh, there is a version on YouTube. Uh, in, it is in its entirety, but it is a terrible version that doesn't take up the entire screen. There's uh, like words and confetti yeah. around it, and I just can't. Not for there's four a, hours. There's a connection now that I've seen it. Um, now that I've been there, rather. To the Winchester Mystery House. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. And there's, uh, it's, it's a very funny, when we get to it, there'll be, uh, I used to work, well, I've worked in bookstores most of my life, and the number of people who really thought there was a real actual R- Alan Rimbauer, and we were trying well, to Well, there was a book called The Diary of Alan right. Rimbauer. And they kept putting it in, like, nonfiction with the journaling sections, and, like, I kept moving the book, and people kept moving it This is not a memoir. Right. <laughs> this is a novel. <laughs> It's a a novella, really. It's just it's, very short, too. It is short, yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Mm. Now, mm-hmm. would you like to recommend anything? Right. Um, I would like to recommend a film I saw last weekend. It is the most recent Hammer film. Oh, We've yeah, discussed we Hammer high, movies okay. before, the, the, the film studios in the 60s and 70s, that really, or starting in the 50s, that really revolutionized horror films and then kind of fell by the wayside in the 70s because they were still producing period fancy dress films um, when the rest of the world was doing The Exorcist and the mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And they just didn't keep up. They kept doing the same thing, retreading the same ground. And there's been a recent revival of it. The Woman in Black, there was also uh, Let Me In, I think. Yeah, they one. did, that one. Uh, but there's a film called The Lodge yep. with, I don't know how to pronounce her name, Riley Keogh. Keogh? Keogh? I think it's just Keo, but um, I, I'm sorry if that's not correct. And Alicia Silverstone, and I won't tell you anything about this movie. It is... It's also got Bill from It, Chapter 2. Right. Who uh, is uh, Jaden Martell. And Chapter right. 1, I guess, both the It's. The young, young Bill right. is also Young Bill. It. it is really, really very good. And it's a credit to the filmmakers that they did stuff that kept me off balance for a while to where I didn't know what was going on yeah. or what was headed. Yeah. The best thing about the movie, don't look at a trailer, go in blind. I literally knew nothing about right. this movie. I saw that it was a horror movie uh-huh. and then I saw that it was a Hammer movie. Right. I didn't see a trailer, not a single, I didn't see anything about it. Yes, and it's getting, it's actually really... Um, and then it had like a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes right. or something Right, it's actually like doing really well in terms yeah. of critical reviews. It, uh, it has a lot of... It, yeah, I can't say too much about it. There's some surprises right off yeah, the bat. Yeah, there are things that I want to say about it, but right. it will ruin it. What so I will I'm do is to. really congratulate the filmmakers on doing a great job about isolation and... Also, I was cold when right. we went into the movie, and I was cold the whole time because it takes place in winter. And it is really very atmospheric. The acting is first rate, yeah. and the story is serpentine. Yes. And so it has, does a really good job of keeping you off the balance. And There was ha- more than one audible gasp by me right. there where I was like, did not what? Yeah. think that yeah. was How often happen. does that happen? Because generally in Hereditary, films, I think, is the last yeah. time it happened. Yes. To me, to me in the theater, maybe Midsummer, but I don't think so. I think Midsummer. I kind of saw some of the things coming, and yeah. it, it, it um, you were given a little bit of warning. But if you like those, uh-huh. this movie this will be your dream. Has that weird sense of dislocation. And if you've wanted a horror movie and you try to go see The Turning, yes, this this is movie will not so disappoint much you. Right. I'm not, not going to say anything further yes, about that. The performances by the... the, the uh, there were some... Because it really does focus on the performers of these two... Uh, the performances of these two young people. It's basically a three-hander. Right. It's these two children and this woman. And this what I like woman. is that there's not a moment to me that feels false. No. They they did an excellent job. And I, it was directed by a pair of Austrians, uh-huh. apparently. So yes. our friend in Austria was like, oh, it's getting a lot of buzz here. Well, she's also going to get to see it. Oh, yeah. Um, They'll she, release she, it there. Right, it's released there, although she says she no longer has anybody to, because she was very fond of grabbing onto either of us, uh-huh. often pulling my sweater <laughs> over her head so yeah. she couldn't see what was going on. Stretching everything she out. She might have missed half of The Conjuring that way. Yeah, it's possible. Um, but... <laughs> 
but yeah, yes, she was really looking forward yeah. to it and uh, uh, getting to see it herself and was really um, enthusiastic based on my recommendation yeah. of it because it is a very good film. It's good. Yep. It was good. I liked mm-hmm. it too. So did you have something to recommend? I don't. I think that I'm going to stick with that. I, I want to say go out and see the new Pixar movie. But you haven't seen it yet. But I haven't seen it yet. Yes. So it's one of those things. There was uh, you were kind of laughing because when the hammer logo came up on screen, I kind of like did the fist. Yeah, bump yeah, you did. Um, but the thing is that it used to be that there's a mark of quality to a studio that yeah. used to happen. Um, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours the other day about how much I like watching. A twenty four. No, Jane, uh, the oh. actress. Jane Levy. Jane Levy. How she almost inevitably chooses something really strange to do. Yeah, she does. Yeah. And so when I hear she's in something, I will give it the benefit of the doubt and check it out just because she's in it, which was actually good for me because I like her new show a lot. Yeah, that show makes me cry. Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, y'all. Right. Get some tissues. Um, And I've (laughs) just enjoyed that show a lot because, again, I took the chance on she's so such an odd duck. She is. And the choices that she makes are so oddball that I'm like, okay. And this, I felt the same way about George Clooney. When he does something, it's like he generally goes a little bit weird. Yeah. So I'm willing to see whatever he's up to. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And so it's nice when you can look back at a studio or you can have something that you're looking at and going, I'm going to, just the, the brand name alone is going to make me interested. So if right. it's Pixar for you. it's it's right. It has been in the past and this is the most excited for a Pixar movie I've been in a wow. while. Okay, good. Good. So, listeners, don't get coronavirus. Um, yes, we we urge you to wash your hands. Mm-hmm. Don't shake Which is hands. Always with people. a good idea. Yes, always wash your hands, but don't shake hands with people. Just like politely wave when you're meeting new people. You, know, you don't need to shake hands with them. It's. I I think the Japanese have it right. Just bow. Bow. For yep. <laughs> it's like, look, I'm showing you respect, and I'm not going to touch you. Yeah. <laughs> like, we just need to not touch people. That is how it spreads. It's not very much like Mr. Brodigan. Just don't, don't touch me. <laughs> what was our main symptom? Runny nose. What is not a symptom of coronavirus? Runny nose. That's yeah. how we know we didn't have coronavirus. Right. Also, you know. We didn't have coronavirus. I don't drink beer. <laughs> Although it's here now. It is it's, now. It's in the Bay Area. There's been cases our, diagnosed in Berkeley. Yeah. So and California had its first death. Within driving distance. of where, So yes, we're not making light of it because no. it's unfortunate for some people. Um, and there are people at risk for it. But yeah, and our country doesn't seem to be doing our goddamn thing to uh, keep that risk at a minimum. Yeah. They're really doing all of the things you shouldn't do. So you guys stay safe. But y'all don't hoard toilet paper. It's not necessary. Stop it. Mm. And uh, breathing masks uh, will probably heighten your risk, not lessen it. So get out there and... And look at that. You've already been informed by our podcast more about the coronavirus than you have by the 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 Trump administration. So there you are. We've given you some useful advice. Give me your fourth quarter salary. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, so I don't... Yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. We're watching Rose Red next week. Rose We're going to do Rose Red, Rose Red, Rose Red. So, Rose Red. You know, I'm, if I say it one more time, she's going to peer her and kill us with a hook? No, yeah, that's Candyman. I, I think it's a different story. Y'all, if you haven't seen the Candyman trailer, watch it. <laughs> it's very good. <sighs> I hope and it's good. I think it's I have such be. fond memories of the movie. I, like, well, as fond memories as you can say. No, yeah, that's true. It's just I the really, old one's always going to be there for you, but I think this new one. I looks good. I love Tony Todd. I think that he did not He's in get. This one. Yeah, I think that he did not get the kind of there. He could have been a star. Well, I don't think, I think he think wanted to be. We a star. don't have horror stars. No, we anymore. don't. Not anymore. I mean, there's nobody where it's like, oh look, you know. I, I think there was a brief period of time when Jeffrey Combs was trying it. But we don't have a Vincent Price. We don't have a Christopher Lee. We don't have... But we don't have guys. roles like that anymore. Yeah, so, yeah. For African-American actors, William Marshall playing Blackula, that wasn't... That performance... I, I love that movie. I don't know about what you're saying right I now. love the end of the film where they're about to pull off the crucifix and he just puts out a hand, no, gentlemen, that's not necessary. <laughs> and he he did have a very deep voice. He, he just marches that. into the sunlight, realizing that the love of his life is dead, and he needs to reunite with her in another incarnation. He's like, I gotta go. It is a great moment because it's, Excuse me while there's I so much dignity there. So, Tony Todd also, his Candyman was, it was heartbreaking to watch. Yeah. 
and you really felt for this person and for a character as Which is violent, wild, yeah. As violent because as he is. Because he eviscerates famous. people, right? Mm-hmm. But knowing how wronged he was, yeah. you really feel for him. So uh, I hope this movie is able to capture some of the heart of the old movie, or lack of heart. As I remember, he just basically has an He's empty bees. rib cage full of bees. His bees. But hopefully that didn't spoil it for anybody. Another, you know, spoiler. Y'all, if you haven't seen slice. the original Candyman, <laughs> go see it. Watch it. It's so good. Yes, it is. It's it is. so good. <laughs> All right, and it will scare the bejesus out of you. Um, yeah, I remember not being able to sleep super the good for out of a you. while. Yes, right. the bejesus. That's what Candyman is. Wink, bee-jesus. wink. Ooh, I'm ashamed of us. All right, if you want to tell us that you're also ashamed of us, you can <laughs> right? email us at uh, latecomerspod at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at latecomerspod. If you all know a better way to get to Rose yes, Red, let us if know. if you have a recommendation. We are in uh, on Facebook. You can find us at the Latecomers Podcast. Just just uh, do a search up on mm-hmm. the search bar, and you can find us. Uh, so until next week, when we get into Nancy Travis bringing a bunch of people into a haunted house, the haunting slash uh, Stephen King's the haunting. Stephen King's the haunting. Yes. Uh, I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you better, better late than, than never. never.